Chapter 8 Even expecting it, it still stung. Dirk sat, legs crossed beneath him, his London guide open on his lap. Several of its pages were folded, and still no one came. The question, then, was simple. Was this punishment, or had Todd heeded his warning? The former seemed more likely, and yet Dirk desperately clung to the latter. All Tad had to do was to stay away and he would be safe. The afternoon dragged on, each passing hour carrying him further and further away from the possibility of retrieval. With it came mounting anxiety, the not knowing a gnawing pain in his gut. What would they tell Todd? Would Riggins turn up in Dirk's place? Dr. Fenchurch? Or would they find someone else? One of the other Blackwing subjects. How many others were there? Strange to think that he hadn't questioned it before. Dirk's supposing Blackwing would have told him if it was relevant to know. It wasn't relevant now, but he was still curious, more so because he wanted to know who was meant to take his place, whether they could be persuaded to talk Todd into staying. He remembered then the room down the hall, the ones the technicians had been preparing. Was this meant for Todd? Did they intend to secure him inside a room? Endless boredom interspersed with trips to the common room, the courtyard. Would they allow Dirk to accompany him? Probably not. And for the first time since refusing Riggins' offer, Dirk found himself contemplating regret. He'd wanted, what, to spare Todd Blackwing's scrutiny? And now Todd had lost the one person who might have warned him away. In hindsight, it was obvious he should have lied, should have accepted Riggins' proposal under false pretenses. A single act of subterfuge might have spared Todd an unwanted existence. Please have not come, Dirk thought frantically. Supper, when it came, was the same gray mush from the week before. This interspersed with soggy bits of orange and green. Shepherd's pie, the technician told him when he asked. The meal was neither pie-like nor suited for eating in a field. He mostly picked at it while pushing the food around on his tray, his stomach still churning with nerves. A flicker outside his window drew his gaze, though it was only the technician come to collect his dishes. Riggins didn't turn up until the next morning, and by then, Dirk had almost convinced himself Todd was safe. Good morning, Slad, Riggins said, dragging Dirk's chair into the middle of the room. His gaze flickered to the underside of the bed, to where Dirk's flashlight and London guide now lived. It was a subtle manipulation, but not one that went unnoticed. Riggins knew the items now privileges Dirk stood to lose. It rather answered Dirk's question concerning Todd. Todd sends his regards, Riggins said, the warning unspoken. We told him you were ill. Here, Riggins paused. He leaned forward, hands coming to rest on his knees. The perfect image of a soldier. Everything he said and did now carefully calculated. He has a sister, you know, younger. Too early for the disease to have manifested but I am curious to know if she shares her brother's markers. It's hereditary, you know. Pararibulitis. What do you want? Dirk asked. Any other circumstance, he might have marveled at how far he'd come. The thought of standing up to Riggins, something he wouldn't have contemplated even a month ago. I want you to reconsider, Riggins said. This is... He trailed off, more flustered than Dirk could ever remember seeing him. Gone was the soldier, in his place, a middle-aged man, haggard and worn by frustration. In the beginning, I wanted so bad to believe there was something more. 
he said after a moment, Dirk half expecting another story about a purse. Riggins's gaze, however, was downturned, his eyes sunken in his head. Early on, before I met you, I met a woman. She had what Todd has. She was deemed too old for the program, but she came in for a while, and I was convinced she was a part of it, a piece of the puzzle. And if only I could gather enough of them, I'd see the big picture. Todd, his genetic markers. It's the piece I've been looking for. All of this. He gestured, taking in the whole of Dirk's room. The whole of Blackwing, maybe. All of this could be over. I don't want to keep you here, Dirk. That was never part of the plan. But you're part of the pattern, and we don't have all the pieces. Help me bring in Todd. It will benefit him as much as it will you. He has nothing. No one. Here. Here he has the chance to be something. To make a difference. You both do. The purse story was better, though only because Dirk hadn't heard it before. Riggins' lies were all too familiar. Dirk well aware he'd meant only a small fraction of what he'd said. And yet, he still needed to warn Todd. To convince Todd to get away. And he wasn't going to accomplish that sitting in his room. So Dirk did the only thing he could. He gave a tight nod. Reluctant, but convinced. Riggins slumped in obvious relief. I knew you'd come around, he said, smiling broadly. Despite his smile, Riggins' eyes were still pinched. Dirk suddenly aware this was a test. He had, at best, one visit. A single chance to convince Todd to flee. The weight of the task settled heavy in his chest. Dirk exhaled against it. He was careful, though, not to let it show. To keep his gaze neutral his apprehension suppressed. Riggins was still watching him, showing no signs of leaving. When can I see him again? Dirk asked. He'd missed their hour, fifteen minutes nowhere near as long enough to say all that he had to say. I'll see if I can schedule something for this afternoon. Tomorrow, perhaps. We told Todd we'd reschedule when you were well. He was quite concerned. It was a relief, at least to know Todd hadn't spent their hours sitting on his own. Worse still, he hadn't spent his hours sitting with Riggins or Dr. Fenchurch, though he still would have preferred Todd having not shown at all. Dirk gave another nod, this one slightly more enthusiastic, though his heart was now racing in his chest. Riggins held his gaze another minute, and then stood. This is the right decision, Slad, he said after he'd returned Dirk's chair. Still seated cross-legged on the bed, Dirk stared up at him unflinchingly. I know you don't see that now, but you will. It really is for the best. And just like that, he was gone. Dirk afforded another chance, his only concern now, how to convince Todd to run, while making Blackwing think he was trying to convince him to stay. True to Riggins's word, he arranged for Todd to come that afternoon. It was still somewhat of a surprise. Dirk having assumed Todd would have had his own schedule to work around. Apparently not. Riggins's words coming back to him. He has nothing. No one. He knew about the band, and that Todd was no longer close with his sister. But aside from that, he'd assumed that Todd had an ordinary life. He had freedom, which was more than Dirk had. Surely someone with the option to do anything would take advantage of it. Surely they wouldn't want to come here. As much as he hated to admit it, part of him was desperate to see Todd again, even knowing the danger Todd faced. He needed time to piece together what he was going to do, but more than that, he needed to see Todd. 
Perhaps in doing so, he might figure out how he was going to pull this off. He'd been operating on instinct, when he'd agreed to Riggins' plan, but he hadn't yet worked out how he was going to convince Todd to leave, while simultaneously convincing Riggins he'd asked Todd to stay. In theory, it was easy. In practice, not so much so. What he needed was a way to convey a message to Todd, something Riggins and Dr. Fenchurch couldn't overhear, something their cameras might miss, something he already had on hand. It took mere minutes to catalog his possessions. They were so few in number. He had his flashlight and his books. Nothing else. No pens, no paper. No way to write a secret message. Anything that might have been useful had been taken away from him long before Todd's arrival. He wished now he'd thought to ask for a book on Morse code. Though, then he'd have to trust that Todd could understand it. A moot point, but given his options, it was the best he... The idea came to him so suddenly, it might have been a hunch, save that no hunch had ever served him, and yet it was an idea. He might not have had a book on Morse code, but he did have books, numerous books, and in them were words, of which he only needed two. They're listening. He started with his London guide, in part because he already mentioned it, so maybe they believe he was simply using it to try to convince Todd to stay. It took a matter of minutes to find what he was looking for. In the end, he marked four separate pages. There and listening on the first, followed by don't stay, and then run. The context was off. Run, for example, was taken from a passage on train schedules. But as plans went, Dirk thought it was a fairly good one. All that remained, the arrival of a technician. He didn't have long to wait. The technician who came for him wasn't one he recognized. It wasn't entirely unprecedented, but it did give him pause. Not that he had any choice in the matter. Unless Riggins or Dr. Fenchurch countermanded it, the technicians were in charge. Dirk followed his out into the hall. If the technician noticed the guidebook, he didn't say anything. Dirk hadn't bothered to hide it. This wasn't the first time he'd brought a book with him to the common room, but it was the first time he had something to hide. Dirk, careful to keep his expression neutral, his gaze locked straight ahead. It was only after their second, unexpected turn that Dirk realized they weren't, in fact, going to the common room. Dirk was tempted to ask, but a third turn made their destination obvious. The question, then, was simple. Riggins, Dr. Fenchurch, or the courtyard. Despite knowing he was going to see Todd, despite being convinced Riggins trusted him to obey, Dirk still held himself tense until they were through the administrative wing doors and past Dr. Fenchurch's and Riggins's office. He didn't let himself relax until they were through the doors at the end of the hall, the wild fluttering of Dirk's heart settling as they came into the stairwell. The route to the courtyard was exactly as he remembered it, Dirk following the technician up the stairs and then into the narrow hall. By the time they reached the courtyard's doors, Dirk had grown somewhat eager. He still wasn't sure this was going to work, but for the first time in longer than he could remember, he had a good feeling about it. He still forced himself to proceed with caution, waiting for the technician to key him inside before stepping through the doors. Todd was already waiting. There was no guitar today, Todd alone on the bench. He stood as soon as he spotted Dirk, his expression oddly relieved. Dirk shot him a nervous smile. The pull of the universe was as present today as it was the previous two times he was here. 
but Todd still commanded all of Dirk's attention. Hey, are you okay? Todd asked, coming forward. Dirk hazarded a glance over his shoulder, but the technician was nowhere in sight. The door shut firmly behind him. Fine, Dirk told him, remembering then Riggins's words. We told him you were ill. I, it was just a headache, Dirk explained, wary of contradicting Riggins's lie. Todd, if his expression was anything to go by, didn't believe a word of it. It bode well for the rest of their conversation, Dirk needing Todd to hear one thing and believe another. Unfortunately, it didn't bode well for the cameras. Dirk, in desperate need of a distraction. I wasn't sure they'd let us come back here, he said, gesturing around the courtyard. This late in the afternoon, most of the sun was blocked by the building, but a narrow band lingered, pale yellow sunlight trickling through the canopy of leaves. He knew immediately he hadn't fooled Todd, though thankfully, Todd didn't call him on it. Instead, he ducked his head, his expression gone slightly sheepish. I asked, actually, he said, Dirk momentarily too stunned to do anything but stare. Certainly, it was a surprise, and not an unpleasant one. But the second Todd said it, Dirk realized he knew. The knowledge settled low in the pit of his stomach, a curling warmth that felt oddly reassuring. Dirk's fingers curled around his book, the movement attracting Todd's gaze, though he didn't comment. Have you seen it? Dirk asked, his free hand sweeping out to encompass the whole of the courtyard. Todd blinked, as though surprised by the question. Eventually, he shook his head. It was somewhat amazing how fast Todd caught on, especially considering Dirk was trying to communicate with only a look. It felt a little like destiny, as though they were always meant to be friends. This, the universe's will. Knowing that made all of this a little easier. I haven't had a chance to explore, Dirk said. He waited for Todd to join him, before starting back towards the door. There was no getting through it, of course, Dirk lacking the necessary keycard. But here, the path to the courtyard's center intersected with the one that rounded its perimeter, Dirk turning them abruptly to the right. There were still no visible cameras, nothing to indicate they were being watched, but Dirk knew they were. The knowing prevented him from dragging Todd aside and telling him everything, Dirk moving them slowly instead. This, just another session. Blackwing's objections firmly within their reach. Are you going to tell me what's going on? Todd asked, when they made their first turn. Dirk was pleased to note he spoke under his breath, his posture rigid with nerves. Dirk kept them moving. All the way to the back corner, where a water feature sent water cascading over carefully stacked rocks. Its gurgling had accompanied Todd's guitar playing the last time they were here. A rock bench sat alongside it. Dirk perched on its edge, twisting so that his back was to the corner, the most likely spot for a camera, if Blackwing's pattern continued to hold. Todd's expression grew incredulous, but at a gesture, he sat down. Dirk set the guidebook on his lap. Todd lifted a pointed eyebrow. "'You didn't bring your guitar,' Dirk said. He spoke in a normal tone, but against the trickling water, anyone listening in would have been hard-pressed to hear." Seeming to understand, Todd inched a little closer. Are you sure you're okay? he asked. Dirk ignored the question. I was hoping you might. Bring your guitar again, I mean, he said. As he spoke, he flipped the guidebook open to the first marked page, pointing out the first word. There. Todd read it and frowned. Dirk's finger slipped further down the page. In an instant, Todd's confusion cleared, 
replaced by mild alarm that he soon covered by ducking his head. I didn't think to ask, but if you want, I can bring it next time, he said, seeming to catch on. Hands shaking, Dirk turned the next page. Apparently, there's all sorts of live music in London, Dirk said, still making idle conversation, but also needing an excuse for the guidebook. He still had his back to the camera's most likely location, but that didn't mean there weren't others. As he spoke, he pointed out the words, don't and stay. Todd, startling ever so slightly. He mastered himself a second later, seeming to understand what Dirk was trying to do. I'm going to live in London after I'm done with my program, Dirk continued, remembering then the naivety that had marked his pre-Todd life. I remember. You mentioned that the first time we met, Todd said. He darted a hand out as he spoke, finger landing on the page. Dirk watched as he traced through the words, settling on a single word, no. His gaze, when Dirk glanced up, was fiercely determined. Dirk flipped to the next page. Run. I was thinking, Dirk continued, speaking a little louder now for the cameras, it would be nice to have someone to travel with. You know, when you're done with your program? Todd, who seemed to understand they were having two conversations, gave a curt nod. I can't he said, though Dirk suspected he didn't mean London. The look he gave Dirk was pointed, though for the life of him, Dirk couldn't fathom its meaning. Dirk let the guidebook fall closed on his lap, the pages still marked. Without a word, he handed it over, hoping Todd would reconsider. In case you change your mind, he said, silently willing Todd to comply. Todd shook his head, but he accepted the guide, drawing it closer to his chest. Later, Dirk would wonder what went wrong how Todd could possibly ignore his warnings. He'd done everything save beg Todd to stay away, and yet Todd looked resolved, as though he fully intended to continue their meetings. It was so frustrating, Dirk thought he might scream, but at the same time, he was oddly moved. Todd, the first person who'd acted like a friend, the first person who'd actually wanted to stay. Leaning back onto the stone bench, Dirk tried to ignore the part where him doing so felt like impending doom. Riggins came to see him the next day. He was wearing his fatigues. Dirk wasn't sure he'd ever seen him in anything else, but his mustache was freshly trimmed, shorter than he usually wore it. Dirk had no idea what it meant. Nothing, he decided. Sitting primly on the edge of his bed, he felt lost without his London guidebook, but Todd needed it more than he did, so he suspected it was worth the sacrifice. I'm proud of you, Dirk, Riggins said. Dirk's stomach sinking as much at the pronouncement as the use of his chosen name. Um, thank you? Dirk said, utterly confused. Riggins' smile felt condescending. Todd has agreed to increase his sessions. We feel this is an encouraging first step, and I believe we have you to thank for it, Riggins explained. Even expecting it, Dirk's features fell. Too fast to escape Riggins' scrutiny, by the time Dirk recovered, it was too late. You haven't changed your mind, have you? Riggins asked. Frantically, Dirk shook his head. Of course not, I... Good, Riggins said, the unspoken warning perfectly clear. I knew we could count on you. Dirk forced a smile. There was some consolidation, he supposed, and knowing Todd had only agreed to increase sessions and not an inpatient program. The thought did little to curb his disappointment. He was barely present for the remainder of their conversation, 
Dirk answering Riggins' questions with monosyllables. False smile still plastered across his face. It wasn't until later, after Riggins had left the room, after Dirk was once again safely ensconced beneath his bed, that Dirk tried to see the positive. Clearly, he'd failed. But additional sessions meant additional time. And time, Dirk suspected, was something they desperately needed.